0: The Protect Your Neck Podcast. Top five MMA prospects who never quite panned out with special guest co-host Aaron Bronstetter. It was a fun one, folks, so strap in. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to
1: dark night. It's a, dark night. Dark night.
0: It's a Dark night. What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Night podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom, and this is work you can find at MMAJunkie.com, as well as MMA Junkie Radio. But, This year program, the Protect Your Neck podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're gonna do here today, tonight, but in a slightly different way. Before the fight on International Fight Week, I got my man. A lot of media friends are in town, but uh, sitting down with the return guest co-host, that is Aaron Brodsetter from TSN Canada at Aaron Brodsetter on Twitter. What's up, Aaron? It's
1: nice to see you do this in person. And your element, you're actually out doing the UFC this week. You know, usually they have two events during International Fight Week. They're down to one, and you're doing two
0: podcasts. So maybe you're the big show in town here, Dan Tom. Well, I'm the late show in town for, as <laughs> listeners know. So it's kind of a makeup. I've been pretty good, if I must say. I've, I've given them a lot of content. I've been actually trying to integrate the top fives. And I, I used to wait, Aaron, for like the, the non-UFC weeks, but like those, I think we can count on our mm-hmm. whole hand in one year now, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm trying to integrate them more, and, you know, this was a really, I mean, i got to at least catch up with, with one of the homies in, in town. We've been talking for about this topic, and you, of course, coming back on for a while. I love your podcast as well. I, I've, I've given it a shout on this show, but uh, TSN podcast over there with uh, – uh, Joe oh my now, now I'm disrespecting your co-host's <laughs> name uh it I'm gonna oh just let God. you struggle. Let me let me struggle. Let me struggle. Joe Valtellini. <laughs> yeah, there that's you go. right. I, I I I love that last name too. I, Italian. Come on. Poco <laughs> Italiano. I'm, I'm disrespecting my own roots there. Uh, he's Canadian and Italian, so one of my favorite mixes. I've become a fan of his as well. But no, you guys are honestly, you guys are killing it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate. it. Yeah, TSN MMA show for those who don't subscribe. That's right. Uh, give them a give them five star ratings and reviews, even if you don't listen on iTunes, because that just helps the algorithms, and they definitely deserve it. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're here for International Fight. We're not going to touch too much. Like, kind of Aaron tipped off. I'm going to be doing two podcasts. going to be breaking down my picks and stuff for you guys later. Um, I believe you, you broke down some of your picks on previous week's show, but since there is no podcast this week, do you have any – I'll bounce the question you bounced to me off air. Do you have any leans this week, Mr. Bronstetter? You're not a bad uh, picker uh, by, any, by, by any means either for people that pay attention.
1: Well, I like the margin of safety. I like to look at picks where – you think in your head like how how safe is this pick Mm -hmm. and a lot of that is often with props like for me any female strawweight fight if there's like three or four of them on a card a parlay of all of them starting second round is one of the safest plays ever like you just take three female strawweight fights you parlay start second round for all three and you get close to like even money that's like the margin of safety type pick that I like. And for this week, I think that if you took Jones, Nunez, and Askren, the margin of safety is pretty high. I think those three more often than not win those fights against their opponents. So that's the way I'm kind of leaning for this particular week. There aren't any underdogs that are really tempting to me. I, I like to look at underdogs and I like to find value. Like Jack Marshman, for example, at plus 500, has yeah. value to me against Edmund Shabazzian. It's yeah. just just because I know how tough Marshman is. He's not one of these guys that gets flatlined very often. And that's usually Edmund's best Path to victory. So if you're looking at Big Chalk, like he's a guy that um, I think has a lot of value. Yeah. But um, in terms of that particular parlay, I just
0: I don't see that one going off the rails. Yeah, definitely. Marshman is definitely one of those fighters where if fits that kind of archetype of you bet this guy's a dog, but you don't want to bet him as a favorite. Um, and yeah, when you're putting that much plus money on him, uh, I will say you know I got to go look at the footage, and that's one of the, the, the last fights I got to do. By the way, folks, I plan to have it recorded daytime and out to you daytime. Uh, for most time zones, at least 4th of July, so you have some listening. So I'll talk more about it there after I get my tape study. But I think the reason why that inflation is because of the, the wrestling took people by surprise, including supporters of Shabazzian like myself. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't realize his double leg was that decent. I know Darren Stewart's not the best sample size for that. But I think that's what people are looking at, and, and that's the kind of the... And I've been a fan of Marshman, but that's been the hair-pulling aspect of it. Heck, I picked Marshman over Tiago Santos, and look at... Look at, uh, look at where does ended up after that fight now on the same card, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean,
1: Marshman, the thing about him is he somehow is always able to find a way to bait people into his type of fight. Mm-hmm. And I think that with Shabazzian, like, that can be dangerous because of the power that he possesses. But it also could be, again, because of the chin of Marshman, beneficial to him. He could. We haven't seen Shabazzian go into the deep rounds, really. So with marshman we know he can go three rounds we know that he doesn't slow down much and he just keeps kind of fighting the same kind of fight mm-hmm. so i mean if you're just looking again for something where you're gonna get some deep value he might be that number on on this particular board i'm looking at it at mandalay here plus nice.
0: 475 they rarely put it up this early in the week I so know. it's a big card uh, the board space is scarce even more scarce since the remod here so uh yeah that that, that that's awesome that's awesome um and any others you like before we move on
1: uh, Perez, I think at plus 180 has some value. Yeah. Uh, Random Marcos, uh, it might be Canadian bias, but plus 180 against Cordelia, who's really struggled lately. And we saw Marcos have probably one of her best wins of her career yes. uh, recently. So um, those two kind of stand out. I mean, I know last time we were here, we both like Diego Sanchez, and he came through. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know how much I like him against
0: Kiesa this no, particular time. Yeah. I don't like that particular matchup at all. are talking to Chiesa this week. I, he was saying the right things. Mm-hmm. He wasn't looking past him. And, uh, and I know that's cliche, but for a guy like you know, not a guy like he So he's got a good character, he's, he's a nice guy and all that, but I just, you know, he's still young, he's excited, I can see him kind of overlooking, like, oh, I'm going to get to add this name to his resume, and he outlined, like, the exact ways how Diego could win the fight, you know, uh, him slacking off, losing concentration in the third after dominating for two rounds, like, he was already outlining these things in his head, and I like that, so yeah, I agree with you there, and then I also agree with you in the do- as far as the other side, as far as dogs, like I shared with you off air, that Marcos was one of the dogs I kind of had pegged early on, so uh, we'll see. Y'all we have to wait for tomorrow to get my full take on that one, but yeah, I'm, I, let's just say I'm, I'm looking at that uh, direction as well.
1: Yeah, Cadeia's subs are all, always really good, but how how will she be off her back? I think that Marcos will get a takedown at some point, and if she can hold her there, which she's proven to be very good at, mm. I think that the, and, and even at the stand-up game, I think that Cadeia probably a little bit better, but how much?
0: And she's all, you know got that classic ar- archetype, you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> BJ Penn, which uh, probably strikes different different chords now for most people, but as far as the you know the old uh, stereotype of BJ Penn, well, not really old, it was it ended up holding true, but early on they are like, oh, he's the most dangerous fighter for one round, and I feel like Adelia's got a lot of that. Yeah, I was actually just going to look, because I don't think
1: Marcos has actually ever won two fights in a row in her entire professional career, yeah. which is, oh, it, I guess starting off she was 3-0 outside of the UFC, but uh, since joining the UFC or doing the Ultimate Fighter, I don't think she's won, she won two in a row, sorry, on the Ultimate Fighter, but in terms of her actual professional fights, those are exhibitions. She's never won two in a row. Someone Usually it's win-loss, 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 win-loss. And she had a draw recently, so maybe that throws off the whole algorithm.
0: Yeah, yeah. She, she, her in close fights, right? Um, speaking of just letterweight lead, fighters before we push on, I, I wrote Lineker down just because that's kind of a hot topic this week. Um, you shouldn't she had, have gone for all those takedowns. Yeah, Boring fighter. That's great. Yeah, I know how Dana White <laughs> kid didn't want to fight. Yeah, he wanted Anderson Silva. Like we got to make a. We can almost make a book of Dana White-isms well, now. Here's
1: the. I think the reason why Lineker got fired is yeah. because he's just notoriously flaky during fight yes, week. Yes. And the UFC hates that because there's promotional. I mean, this was the co-main event. So there's mm-hmm. promotional clout involved. People pay money to see a Lineker. If Lineker's on a card, mm-hmm. he's a guy that people will will go to a card to see because of how great his fights have been historically. So maybe that's why. Maybe there was a reason for him pulling out during fight week that they found was unacceptable maybe it was a weight complication again which has also plagued this guy throughout his career so unless we know exactly what the reason was I don't think that they fired him because he's a boring fighter or for any of the other reasons why they cut bait with somebody so those are the kind of reasons why when you look at Lineker, you have to think that it's something behind the scenes. Uh, I, I don't think that I'm saying anything that people don't already know here, Right. But I think that you have to imagine that something happened
0: that precluded him from fighting there that they found unacceptable. Well, no, I think, I think it's good to say, because let's be honest, even hardcores, the hardcores that should know are the ones that are getting most upset, and I agree from the face value sentiment. I love watching John Lineker fight. I want to see him fight there, but like you said, not only noted weight misses and struggles, I mean... This, there's even stories, and some of them are great stories. Like Alex Davis's managers come on, you know, our show MMA Junkie Radio, and shared stories about Lineker, uh One of my favorite flyweight fights, by the way, him versus Luis Galindo, and that was Lineker's yeah. debut. He spends his whole per diem that week on a freaking PlayStation, <laughs> so he's like starving. He's like, it's okay, I'm, I got to starve myself to make weight anyway. Like, that's his logic, and he's just drinking free cups of water wherever he can get them uh, until, like, you know, of course, Alex tried to help him out. Uh, negotiated, got, got him the fight of the night. Uh, tried to get him this fight of the night bonus, but I mean, like as far as making poor decisions or like he, there was people that, that spotted him. I don't know if it was is this fight maybe against Alptek in Olskolich but it was like in Macau or something but like he and he actually made weight for that fight in one. but like he was spotted in the food court the day before weigh just chowing down on pizzas <laughs> I mean like you hear these stories about Lineker even in fights where he didn't miss weight it's yeah, like Juan Charles Oliveira Charles Oliveira
1: like. can make featherweight and he weighs in at like 152 for lightweight fights like what do you, do you yeah. just not know has nobody taught you how to get those extra pounds off like you walk around at under lightweight a lot of the time yeah. and now suddenly like to just cut those extra 7 pounds it's impossible for this guy I don't, and he still wants to go Back to 145 too, even though he's doing well at 155. So right. he's he's an enigma. I love that guy though. Do, it, Do Bronx is one of my favorite guys. Me if, too. If we did yeah. a podcast on like top five fighters that like were never chant like that don't have a ton of name value, like yeah. he's he's on my list. Yeah. Okay. And might be too.
0: I don't think he would have made that list for the one we did recently. Did where like uh, me and Jordan Killing did. We didn't think we the top five fighters you, you 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 forgot about or maybe fights you forgot about. But yeah, I wasn't that one. That kind of, of a, oh, Thank you. But I think that you're right. The, DuBronx belongs on that list, but how coincidental is it both DuBronx and Lineker are both risky in the cage with their fight style, too? I don't think that's such a coincidence, you know what I'm saying? You kind of fight as who you are. Um, So, yeah, I think that's important to remember, and the only thing before we push on to this top five, folks, I have written next to this, it's kind of apropos, I wrote Dana White Contender Series, because you're one of the only members of the media, I remember, who kind of shared uh, the same take uh, as I did from the ever-going Brendan Lockney uh, issue, because you know, with only one finish by TKO leg kicks, there's really not, there really hasn't been too much to talk about, oddly enough, this season. but uh, and, and the reason why I'm tying this to the Lineker and the White thing is because I was, I was just having a talk with my, my mother, of all people, but I was comparing um, Dana White to one Donald Trump, and they're our ironically friends, where, hey, listen, believe me, I'm sure 90... Uh, 95% of the stuff is deserve it, it's true, and I I disagree with most of it. But it feels like there's a certain line you can cross where, you know, and politics are too annoying, and even in my MMA feed, it seems like politics seem to overtake it. But even with, you know, especially with with the media, where you can almost take the stance, even if you're right, or you believe in your stance, you're quote-unquote right, I feel like we we almost can do damage to the cause, and maybe even the fighter in question who were quote-unquote trying to help by doing these narratives, you know what I'm saying? Uh, for, for example, and, and just I'll, I'll, I'll let you chime in here, but just to catch up briefly, but you know, everybody focusing on Brendan Lockney not getting a contract, which I agreed with. I, he would have gotten a contract, I, I wrote it in my article, but at the same time, nobody recognizing Dana White saying, hey, but this guy will probably be in the USC anyways, or recognizing that this was already the precedence of the show, something you reminded listeners and your. Uh, your uh, your followers about and you know and that he would have probably ended up in there anyways we've seen all these precedents like none of this should have been a surprise whether you agree with it or not.
1: I was more uh, um surprised that docus didn't make th- didn't get the contract me too like docas yeah. was so thirty twenty fives showing incredible groundwork, not giving his opponent a minute to breathe, yeah. and he doesn't get the contract um that kind of surprised me yeah. but um especially since the the fighter that took the fight against the guy who didn't make weight like they Function like they factored that into the rationale for which, uh, again, it's the Dana White just will shoot from the hip, right. and that's kind of what's cool about the show is like yeah. you never really know what's on his mind. Yeah, well, um, and in. I always try to give out two contracts when I watch the show before Dana does. Okay. And uh, Lockman didn't get one of mine okay. when he did it. I, you know, I gave it to the two guys that Dana gave it to. Um, a question for you: Have you ever pissed blood before? No. Never. Thank God. I don't but, think so. But no. most no. people that have fought. If you did a survey of every fighter that's fought in the UFC and said, have you ever pissed blood before, what percentage of fighters do you think will say yes? I wouldn't be surprised to see anything between
0: 44 to 64 percent.
1: I think it would be higher. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you'd have to think so. Like ever if they'd ever pissed blood before. That's true. It's man, gotta yeah, be. So when he's posting videos of that saying this is what I had to go through in order to, you know, during this fight, like that, I get that. Like I get the right. sacrifice that every fighter has to to go and, and try to compete right. at this level. Um, and I thought that he put on a great performance. I, I really mm-hmm. do. But if you're looking at it from the standpoint of how Dana White thinks and what the, the precedent has been for people that get contracts in the past, the people that are locks to get a contract. Yeah. He wasn't one of them. He did no. not fit that sure. criteria. Yeah. Sure. If you've watched all three, uh, you know, people said, oh, what are you, what's wrong with you? You wouldn't give him a contract. I actually said it after he fought. I said, I'm not sure if he gets a contract. And they were
0: like, are you kidding me? I said, well, have you not watched the show before? Right, 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 Yeah. No, that's very true, and, and it was even even though I, and even though I was someone that said I, I would have awarded to him, the reason why I wasn't so butt hurt, so to speak, because not just the precedents that you mentioned, the night that he fought on too, it was one of those nights where, okay, now can go in a bunch of different directions. Because now it really goes into what Dana White wants, which obviously goes to what he wants, anyways. But uh, and not, not to dissect this too much, but I guess what I'm trying to t- talk about more is is the the macro of this, where like. Uh, it, it, what I worry about the Contender Series becomes less of this show that we're all stoked about as fans, media everybody in between right? Uh, where it's focused about the fighters you know, even though it's Dana White's Contender it's, it's focused on that dynamic too. I'm worried about it's just going to be a vehicle to what can we pick out about Dana White this week and again I'm not trying to be, defend the guy um, I, I disagree with him all the time I write that in my articles I did it last year I'm going to do it this year I'm going to keep doing it forward uh, but at the same time, I don't know how much justice it'll serve if I were to keep getting on my soapbox, for example, or use my platform, and be like, ah, oh, this guy, this guy, and then keep, because then when this guy finally gets in, they might, you know, you know, look at Nick Newell. Nick Newell did not get matched, not that he should have, not that he would have wanted to, and, uh, but he did not get matched up with an easy guy whatsoever. When I looked at who he was matching up, I go, oh. Because remember, before it, it was everybody giving him crap, and and, mm-hmm. and hey, I, I was part of it. I wrote a, a, an article about uh, helping, uh, you know, to try to you know talk about Nick Newell's technique, where I interviewed him, and and why he and trying to explain why he was a UFC level fighter before that. But you almost look at it, and Dana White doesn't forget. Say what you will, he agree with him or not, he doesn't forget. He's like an elephant when he rem- remembers things. And yeah, I was just thinking that I'm like, I wonder if if, if, if I worry, I guess to my colleagues, I would express worry that. Hey, be you. I, I love guys that are honest and do their, share their opinions and aren't afraid to go against the grain. You have to be objective. It's the, the job. But I almost worry for my colleagues that the t- Contender Series could turn into a vehicle. What can we pick? You, you get what I'm saying here, my? I don't know. But. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, they're always going to try to pick things that he does apart, and I just think that it's counterproductive for that particular show because we already know what he's looking for. Exactly. It's, it shouldn't yeah. come as a
0: surprise. Yeah.
1: I mean, if somebody k- KOs someone in 15 seconds it doesn't get a contract because the KO was like – I don't know, a light kick, for example, and there were right. three other KOs in the show and it wasn't as exciting of a KO, then, like, you can be a little bit outraged because this guy did, came out, did their job, did it expeditiously, and didn't get a contract. But for someone to go the distance in an exciting fight, not get a finish, you know, Dana White uses his discretion in those
0: situations. Yeah, and as we see, there, there, there's other ways, and there, there, in fact, could be better ways to get into the organization. So I think fighters are... Like, even, like, Chris Curtis was the guy last year, I think, for most, most mm-hmm. people, and even me, too, I... I, I, I uh, you know, we had him on, on Junkie Radio too, but I, and he, he's in a good headspace, man. He, he, I think, he knows what a lot of us have said. Were you know what that actually probably was good for that guy, because now he can get a chance at a million dollars while gaining the appropriate level of experience, and he's going to be that much more ready. He's still early twenties or something like that. So, anyways, uh, I just wanted to, to discuss that with you. I always love getting your takes, Aaron. But uh, let's move on to this top five. Now, like I was saying before the the, the podcast. Ooh, it, it's been a while maybe since top five uh bad tattoos in mma which was a fun episode it's always fun to tackle fun topics but it is kind of weird when something at the heart is a negative when it's a quote-unquote top five show we're combining it in the same sentence so i guess when we're going to decide context of this is this top five uh prospects in mma that didn't quite pan out i think is pretty much the Mm -hmm. the the, the verbiage we're going to be using here and it's not and just i just want to preface uh state off the top of our head this isn't a, a an episode to 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 shit on fighters or this or that that's not our intent here or come off that way in fact this is a really good opportunity I'm sure for you Aaron doing your research you tell me to talk about fighters we don't often get to talk about and hopefully whether it's guys that were watching the sport forgot about weren't following as closely or weren't following at all can get better context to when we see these prospects and the lessons that are being learned and if you want to go back and enrich yourself with the sport so that's our goal here I kind of wanted to state that off the top what do you feel about the topic?
1: Yeah I think that you said it best it's Kind of a deep dive into prospects that maybe you didn't even know about at some point, or or you might want to go back and watch, or we can talk about how things went off the rails a little bit. And I, I think that a lot of fighters are pretty realistic about their careers. Um, you know, I don't think that it's um, you know that we're reinventing the wheel here. I think that a lot of people that know that they had a lot of hype behind them, that they didn't exactly meet up the expectations, and that's fine. And again, I don't think it diminishes them as as a mixed martial artist. Um, if you look at the NBA, or even a major sport NFL whatever Um, and you look at first round draft picks and ones that are expected to be stars in the league that don't pan out I think they know that they they didn't pan out but that doesn't mean they're bad basketball players bad football players it just means that the expectation was so high that they just weren't
0: able to meet such lofty expectations absolutely yeah sometimes it was the expectations of others sometimes yes it may be some of our choices it may maybe a clear shortcoming of the individual. And again, we're not trying to shit on that person. And sometimes, which, you know, a little hint hint with some of mine, sometimes it was, uh, it was ultimately the person, of course, but it was more of a third party, like let's say a drug abuse. Different kinds of drug abuses out there uh, some might have been speculative. Some are on the record. Most of mine are, are, are on the record here, so it's not anything uh, speculative. Again, not in the harsh nature. We're just we're, just, we're telling the facts here. But uh, you know, there's a lot of things that can derail one's career, especially one that is projected to be bright. So mine kind of time goes all over the time span. I don't know about yours. Uh, any yeah, mine's all over and the place. all over the place. And well? it's not just one promotion. It's not
1: the biggest mm-hmm. UFC. Or, you know. Yeah. It could be all over the place.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they cross promotions and. And their stories have been told, and and yeah, there's going to be a lot of different variations and a lot of different qualifiers. So let's just dive in, shall we? Sure. We'll, we'll, let's go. We'll tackle them as we go. Um, I like to use it to, like, the guests go first, Aaron, and you've already been here, so you know how how this show rolls. You're you're a, uh, thank you again. You're a listener. Uh, so uh, let's start off. We're gonna go five to one. Of course, we'll get to your listener. Uh, lists after and clean up with honorable mentions Aaron number 5 what did you have for your number 5 spot what ended up earning the number 5 spot uh,
1: my number 5 is somebody who I thought was an excellent fighter I, like, again it's not an indictment on mm-hmm. uh, on them but it's, uh, it's Brandon Thatch now the reason why I picked Brandon Thatch is 6'2 170 pounder incredible body for MMA great elbows fantastic striking he comes in to the UFC like a lightning bolt. He comes out two consecutive first-round victories, two consecutive first-round finishes. One is a, a submission technically. It was knees nice to the body, and pa- Paolo Thiago had enough. And that was like... So basically, he taps to strikes in two minutes. I mean, that kind of thing. When you're... you're a a brand new fighter resonates with a lot of people. Uh, his first win against Justin Edwards, minute and twenty-three seconds. So he comes out, and suddenly this guy is like the next one. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. people look at Brandon Thatch. They're like, look at how this guy's built. Look at how yep. good his striking is. How technical it is. How powerful it is. And right away, he's the next one. Then he gets mashed up. They throw him in the deep end. Ben Ben Henderson. You know, Ben oh, yeah. Henderson is moving from lightweight to welterweight. I think it was his first fight. Um, Decided to give, to, you know, to try it out Someone some short uh, notice, right? Took that yeah, too Yeah, someone short, short notice And it was a, a really competitive fight I mean, like yeah. Thatch looked really good Thatch was a big favorite I think Yeah, for that people fight, were worried I about Benson Even yeah. myself Yeah I think Thatch was the favorite And Ben Henderson Was one of the best To that date Lightweight champions of all time So, I mean yeah. He had the pedigree behind him And that just goes to show The hype that Thatch had At that point in time um, goes out, has a pretty good showing against Henderson, gets caught in the fourth round uh, with an RNC. Yeah. You know, got taken down. That was kind of the first time we got to see him really get start to run out of steam. It was in the fourth round. Remember, this is a five-round main event. He had only been in the first round. For how many first-round victories in the road did he have? He had almost, like just from, from the eye test here, ten in a row. Against guys like Chidi Jaquani, Danny Davis Jr., Mike Rhodes on the regional scene. So like good names on the regional scene, too. So it's not like this was a complete fluke. Um, goes into the fourth round, gets caught. Whatever, you know. I mean, yeah. Ben Henderson's a... a, a, a a decent person to lose to then again they test him against Gunnar Nelson yep. um, gets caught on the ground rear naked choke then uh, C.R. Bahadurzada who's a guy that people think is going to strike with him and does for, for two rounds a very close, closely contested fight runs out of steam again taps out with less than a minute left in the fight to uh, an arm triangle from C.R. Bahadurzada who's not really a known for submissions uh, and then another arm triangle choke the next fight against Nico Price who as we've seen since then and I think that was a, a decent favorite against Nico Price as we've seen since then, Nico Price has been a great fighter. I mean, right. he's, he's won right. and lost, yes. but I mean, he's, he's had some really good wins to his name. So um, since then, he hasn't fought. It's been almost three years since the last time we've seen Brandon Thatch uh, fight. He got released from the UFC off of four straight losses, and we haven't heard from him since. So I think that he qualifies for this list just because of how much promise he had at that one point in time before yeah. he took that fight with Ben Henderson, a fight that I think he was winning to that point. Uh, or at least it was a very close fight. I remember it was a very technical striking affair. Uh, and then he just got caught in the fourth, if I recall. I didn't get a chance to go back and watch that one. But um, from my recollection, it was a, a very close fight up until that point in time. Mm-hmm. So um,
0: he's number five on my list. That's great, man. He, he's on my list here, not as a, a number, uh, Honorable but, mention. But on, honorable mention for sure. And could have very well been, uh, probably would have been my number five if I had him on the list, same spot as you. Uh, great pick. Um, yeah, man. And it's crazy, the drop-off. Some people we may mention, they may actually go on to have careers after their drop-off. Yeah, uh, for sure. But, but some, I think the most hardest hitting ones is when you see either their career dropped off at the point where you found out that they weren't the prospect and or they just had a string of losses until they stopped at that point. It right. Just, it, a, it was like a hard cliff. So it wasn't even like they just stopped. Oh, what could have happened? Did I take that loss too hard? Not go- no, they, they they tried to get back on the horse multiple times. Right. But they just couldn't. Those mm-hmm. are kind of ones where we're like, oh, yeah, that, that that's definitive. Yeah, and unfortunately with that, it's like he didn't even have the opportunity to get back on the horse. Well, th- my next guy, my number five actually was similar. Uh, he didn't – he had the opportunity. His career didn't go on much after the, the, the UFC career didn't go well. And uh, it was pretty much, I believe, all four losses. They may have even been four. KO losses which kind of which kind of came out of nowhere because he's 35 years old now but he was in his prime when he was in the UFC and this was Hatsu Hayoki. not many Japanese fighters we could get excited about for example uh, it wouldn't have qualified for the list, but yeah, I thought about a, a Gomi, but that would maybe be a different list. That maybe would be a list for like top five prospects who didn't pan out in the UFC or fighters yeah. that didn't pan out in the yeah, UFC. Yeah, but, stars but from we, other promotions yeah, that came but, over but and failed, like a, a prospect, Will Brooks, for yeah. example. Yeah. He was already a star in Shuto and mm-hmm. Pride. Yeah. He had multiple titles, was already a big name, so, so Gomi wouldn't count for mm-hmm. this, right? Even and I, though, I took that into consideration as well, like when I was thinking of guys like Will Brooks. Yes. Like
1: he was a champion in Bell beat Eddie Alvarez. Like it's hard Me to too. say that he was, you know, a, a failed prospect. He just happened to not do as well in the UFC.
0: Yeah, yeah, maybe the. A failed ceiling, you know, mm-hmm. a projected ceiling. But yep. as far as the, again, keyword in this title, guys, like Aaron said, prospect. Um, and Hatsu Hayoki, I, I, I do feel that he, that, that he qualified. I mean, I got his, uh, I didn't want to pull it up too pre- prematurely. Aaron's like in my that. screen view, and I want to surprise there. I want to get Yeah, the, I'm, I'm trying to, 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 to hide my screen from you. Yeah, good, good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he, but he, he he had wins against like Barrett Yoshida, guys you might not know that are like really good grapplers, guys that later got to the UFC, like Tom Ninimaki or in TKO beating Mark Hominick. Jeff Curran, the frog, mm-hmm. big frog, uh, two wins over uh, Mark Hominick. So, I mean, in, in, Kenny Florian brought him into first first BJ Penn training camp, like, was talking him up. And Kenny, of course, was a, already a notable figure, a, a media head, and doing even, like, a commentary, so he would reference him. Uh, I, I had access TV fights in, in, in one, you know, what I call, like, one of the golden age, where I was able to f- watch guys like Ryan Jimmo up in Canada, but I was also able to f- watch Hatsu Hayoki fight. Uh, I loved having that HDTV uh, back oh, yeah, in the day. Yeah, had that too, yeah. Oh, that was we great. had it in Canada, and I think I just got rid of it. It was yeah. just not available anymore. <laughs> and, and that's where I first saw Hatsu Hayoki. But, you know, he, he would come in, and yeah, sure, he would get the split decision over George Roop. And hey, George Roop upset guys like our favorite Korean zombie. So mm-hmm. he maybe it wasn't bad. Hey, it was his first. He was, he, well, Even though we had high expectations, we knew the Japanese they didn't do as well in America. Roop was like the Brian Barberina of that division back in the day. <laughs> like, he, whenever he was an underdog, he, <laughs> he would come great. through. And then whenever he was a favorite, it was
1: like, it didn't happen. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's it, it, a great analogy. Then he beats pa- Bart Palaszewski, who I did, a, he looks like Bodhi for uh, Patrick Swayze's character from Point Break <laughs> uh, in my head. That's exactly how I see Bart Palaszewski. But then loses to Ricardo Lamas, and that was, hey, Ricardo was on his way to the title run to face, face Jose. I mean, he loses to Clay Guida, Darren Elkins, well, like, oh man, is this guy not going to get past wrestlers? We thought he'd the submission ace. Beats Ivan Menjivar, but let's be honest, I mean, Menjivar was a, 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 a blown up 135er who's been fighting around, so he was like, well, he was like a veteran when he was uh, George St. first. Fight right? Yeah. I mean, he was already trained with that George point, as well. yeah. Like, so he was an old guy, and <laughs> and not not to diss on him, loses to Charles Oliveira, Dan Hooker by KO, goes over to Pancrase, and then his wins are. I don't want to say aren't over big names because I actually know one of the guys, Kiyosuke Yokohama, and I was like, holy shit, he fought Kiyosuke. Kiyosuke <laughs> was in the amateur team back in like 2011, 2012 when I was there, and he was a talented dude from Japan. But it was funny. People would confuse us, and I don't know why. He didn't have tattoos. He was a light-skinned Asian. I'm a dark-skinned Asian, and he fought this guy. I think his name was David Jordan from Tenth Planet. We used to have a tough enough. We used to have a lot of uh, Team Quest versus Extreme Couture. Tenth Planet versus Extreme Couture. Um, I know my buddy goes off uh, off microphone knows that remembers those days of tough enough. The, the, those were the, those were the fun ones, and uh, this guy David Jordan. Uh, it was this really talented this, this black dude from Tenth Planet uh, Riverside. And he fought Kioski. It was a three-round decision. He didn't even get knocked out. He had a lot of mat time with the guy. And it was like, well, it was a, it was like, a few fights after uh, Kioski already got changed. And we already, granted, we all had the same shirts. We all had our white Extreme Couture team shirts on. And not even just David. Like his coach and maybe like his friend were up there. They come after the fight. They come up to me and like they start shaking my hand. And I'm like, oh. And I was, I was their corner guys. I wasn't fighting that. So I was like, oh, maybe he's just, you know, being good, good sportsman. And he goes, hey man, I just want to thank you for the fight. You were tough as hell in there and he's like telling me this I'm looking and there's have this guys to my left and right and they're, I'm looking over them like what the fuck is he talking to me and they're like yeah I guess he's talking to you and I'm like thanks man I just played along with it and they're like yeah yeah good fight you did good and I'm like thanks man and I'm like did they just mistake me for a freaking kioski and I'm gonna pull up kioski's pep, uh, face here for, for a payoff hopefully it shows up <laughs> on sure dog so at least yeah there he is I don't know. I mean, even in shape. No, downtown. looks home. nothing I like you. Yeah, no, I know the Asian stereotype, folks. I'm not blind to it. I'll, I'll agree with it. But anyways, he I, I just
1: flew in actually today with a bunch of guys on the Raptors summer league team. And everybody was congratulating this guy on the championship, taking pictures with, with him and all that. Uh-huh. He was a guy that was just drafted. So he like wasn't on the championship team. He was like a <laughs> college kid. He's like, he's like, yeah, thanks, taking thanks. pictures with everybody. <laughs> I would charge for autographs in that case.
0: But after those two wins, he, he goes and gets KO'd three more times. And, and that last one was in August 2018 in, uh, in Risen. Um, so yeah, the Hatsu Hayoki is, is, is kind of a, a low-key guy, but I wanted to give a shout. Yeah, I have him on my honorable mentions list as well. And the thing about Hayoki was he
1: had such a great build for featherweight. Like he was long. Mm-hmm. He was so good off his back. That fight fight with Olivero when that was booked, I was so excited for yeah. that one. And uh, it really paid off. That was a, that was a fun fight.
0: Yes. Fun yeah, back that, and forth. That was a fun fight. That was. All right, man. Uh, number four. Uh, you got your number four queued Why don't up for you right Go ahead. We'll, we'll do okay, a snake draft. Okay, this one. This one could be argued. Uh, he didn't have much of a body of work. He's had a career, and he's actually on like a a winning streak in an organization like Bellator, for whatever that's worth. But it's been very quiet because even in his wins, he was very lackluster, and he didn't develop. And this guy's a heavyweight, and I feel like heavyweights have an easier time getting on this list. Because we're so looking for the quote unquote, this guy yeah, yeah, wasn't white, but we're looking yeah. for that great white hope, as they say, or the mm-hmm. the, the great American heavyweight. Uh, England has its own version. I'm sure everybody has their own version. A lot of them are based around heavyweight. Hence, why they're the baddest man on the planet. A lot of lot of lot, you know uh, people pushing their chips in on guys like Greg Hardy when he's barely got fucking a couple rounds of experience. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah. That's how we are with heavyweights. And Bobby Lashley was yeah. kind of thought to be the, the next Brock Lesnar. They had action figures of this guy. Oh, he was uh, a WWE wrestler. I mean, he was a WWE. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but not, I mean, they had MMA action figures though. Even mm-hmm. like they were marketing this guy as an MMA fighter mm-hmm. and giving him the push like he was just going to come over. That was going to be their version of Brock. And uh, boy, did it, did it fail. He had some lackluster fights where maybe you kind of see it. And then Chad Griggs came, <laughs> my favorite, one of my favorite upsets, baby. Chad Griggs with his mutton it's chops. Plus 400 or something. I'm, yeah. sorry, I'm sorry, Tony Martin. I know your mutton chops are, mm-hmm. are becoming your trademark now, but uh, Chad Griggs, the best mutton chops in MMA, sir. Remember that fight?
1: Of course, yeah. I think I, I saw the uh, line on that. And Chad Griggs, I think, was coming off a decent win before that. And I think it was like plus four, plus 500, if I recall. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to go back and look. But just looking at Lashley's resume, it's not bad. But you're right. He never got to that, that level. And I think that's because he was juggling pro wrestling with MMA. Yeah. He never got to get to that top tier fighter that uh, you know a lot of these other guys do.
0: Yeah, yeah. He, he, I mean, he, he, he beat John Ott, which was a, a decent name at the time, a, 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 a young kid. In uh, in Titan and then the SFL the shark it was shark fights remember shark fights when yeah he of lost it all versus mm-hmm. uh, uh, Paul uh, Paul Daly there um, and then James Thompson he he lost to him but yeah it just it just it just never really panned out and you know. It, it, it was one of those things you hate to project this but it's true. The reason why you, you can't say this is cuz this guy's an athlete means he's going to be a fighter. It's a different gear you have to have mm-hmm. and I think Lashley was a good example. He had the WWE chops in front of a camera. Yeah. So the camera. He had amateur wrestling. Mm-hmm. He had all the the check boxes. But if you don't have that fighter check box as far as liking to get, you know, you can get pretty damn far, but it was more obvious and hit with him than a Brock Lesnar, per se. And people threw that at Brock Lesnar. For sure.
1: Absolutely. I didn't even have Day on my list. That's an interesting one. He didn't even enter my... Uh, because he has a good record. Like, I mean, his record is like 16-3, and 3, but who's, who's he really beating, right? But
0: it almost, it almost shows that that almost proves the point, though, because he's been winning. So why, why, why the hell doesn't, doesn't it click? It's because of his style, even though he went on to win and stuck with it. it just, and then he just stuck with he pro wrestling. He made
1: good money yep. at the WWE. Yeah. Um, all right. My number four is Sokaju. Oh, oh, nice! Uh, yeah. Yes,
0: I haven't written here too. Not basically, on my list,
1: but yes. Basically, a relative unknown beats Little Nog in 23 seconds, and there were odds that weren't readily available. But I think like Little Nog was like a minus 1,700 favorite for that fight. Something absurd. Yes. Yeah, it was one of the biggest the upsets in the yeah. Yeah, they didn't keep like they don't keep a lot of those old pride lines, but they were available at the time.
0: Shouts to Nick I think he dropped dropped that one out on the Bantamweight episodes a while back. But yes, you're right. Yeah, you're some right. crazy
1: line. Um, and then auto, like, automatically with this massive prospect. Uh, um, since then, though, he's alternate alternated wins and losses pretty much ever since 19 and 18 now. Um, and I used to work for a company called The Score. Uh, it was a television network that uh, eventually got uh, sold, but it still exists as a website that our, our colleague James Lynch works for now. Jackson but James. I worked at The Score, and they uh, they had uh, The Score Fighting Series 1. It booked a couple regional shows. And the first uh, main event was uh, him versus uh, Roy Boston. Um, and he kept using this trash talk leading up to the fight saying, I'm going to fart on this guy's face. In every interview, he was like, I'm going to fart on this guy's face. And it was three rounds of the most boring MMA you'd ever seen. It was just like oh technical God. striking, not a, very little volume. He ended up getting the win over this guy. I think Roy Bofton was from Michigan. I think he's still fighting, actually. And... Um, Sokeju, I think, is still sort of fighting as well. But Lord he, Honky, if you can track that down, I need to see that. But the, the Roy Anybody, the, versus
0: sokaju Yeah, that promo. I need to fart on his face. That's, oh yeah, that's what I've taste my big beepy?
1: It might be on. You uh, might be on YouTube. I should see if I can. I can look it up and find it. But he kept saying, "Yeah, I'm going to fart on the, fart in this guy's face." Whoa. And that was his trash talk leading into the fight. Um, but he goes to the UFC, goes uh, one and two, lost to Machida, yep. lost to uh, Luis Kane, who was one, actually going to be on my short list for
0: this too? One of few of Machida's finishes too, in that, in that stage where he was on the decision a sub finish. Yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah and uh, Cane was was going to be on my list too. He was like another guy that everybody thought was going to be huge. Um, But then, yeah, he ended up in Dream. He ended up doing Dream Dynamite, Strike Force. Like, basically, he kept fighting for all, as like a headliner in all these regional cards. He had the terrible fight with Ryan Jimmo um, at MFC 31 also on the Canadian regional scene that uh, he ended up losing a five-rounder to to, um, Jimmo. May he rest in peace. But, uh, yeah, just had all of these, like, he fought, like, his resume of the guys he's fought, like, let's go top to bottom here. You got uh, Sergei Haritanov, Tiago Silva, Matt Hamill, Paul Buenitello, um Linton Vassell, or Vassal, rather, Linton Vassell. Uh, both Irokin brothers. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah, Jan Blahovich. Yep. Jimmo. Yeah, I saw that. Jan yeah. Blahovich again. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yep. Shamil Abdul-Rakamov, uh, who's in the UFC, of course, now. Houston Alexander, Musassi, Bob Sapp. Like, look at listen to these names that this guy's fought. Lost to Glover. To the overseas back in 20, uh, 2006. So I mean, he's been all over the place. But uh, after that win over Little Nog, everybody expected this guy yes, to be a huge, yes. huge. And then he beat Arona in two minutes as well, right after that. So people
0: thought he was going to be a right. big prospect. Only ended up having three fights in the UFC, going one and two. Man, you know, it was it was crazy because uh, that was guy. This guy almost made my list as well. And it gets deceiving because it was weird. Like, wait, only two fights in, and he was. Uh, you know, it was, I could see why he was such a big underdog. Uh, before that run, but it was also one of the ones where, like we talked about, where their career afterwards kind of justifies them being on this list, so to speak, right? Right, yeah. Because you look at that list. Even like even, even money against Machida. I mean, his, right? best, his best win for in the last like almost 10 years has been Jan, that Jan Blachowicz win, but even mm-hmm. that one, I believe there were... I didn't it go was back like, and, controversial, if I recall. It was a TKO retirement, so it was something happened in the corner, and so it was an injury. It was actually an mm-hmm. injury. Okay. And I, I don't know how the fight was going, but Jan went back and beat him pretty clearly. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that was another reason why I was so surprised to see Jan get finished in his last fight, which, by the way, another reason why I, I like him against Rocco. I went back to watch that. That was just like the most perfect, wild, but also he like perfectly. Ran into shot. a Tiago Santos a, shot. Which yeah, is like, not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, and he still was kind of conscious. You know, he didn't mm-hmm. go completely out. Um, it still took like a billion follow-up hammer fists, which didn't feel good either. Uh, but anyways, not to sidetrack there. But yeah, yeah, it, 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 to play connect the dots, right? That that was probably his best win though, and that was a controversial one So could you. Yeah, dude, that guy was that guy was was. Now that's a great pick. I have to mark. He he almost made, made he almost made my number four and my, 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 my number five as well. So, do you want to double dip or should I go to number three?
1: I guess I can go to I can go to mine. All right. Go um, ahead. Yeah, my number three is uh, Eric Silva. So, nice. I mean Eric Silva also on your mention.
0: list. I, I don't mention. Don't honorable me
1: mention. It. though, because we don't have any crossovers. That's That's good. yes. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but I mean Eric Silva. I mean it's hard for him not to be on this list because if you look back at, he was always the next champion. Like win he win lose win lose. Eric Silva's going to turn it around at some point become the next champion uh, and then it, it just never happens USADA came into play and he just didn't look the same um, I don't mean to make that an indictment but it's right, kind yes, of been a common, yes. common discussion with Eric Silva yes. and now he's lost two in a row in Bellator so I mean Eric Silva just never panned out I mean plain and simple never panned out and if you look at his odds He was a minus 400 favorite against Josh Koscheck, and that's when Josh Koscheck. This is like in 2015 when Koscheck beat him in the first round. Like this is like peak Josh Koscheck. Yeah, that's that's how high the hopes for this guy were. Minus 1200 against Takanori Sato, a fight that he won. But I mean, that that's how much. Hype. Yeah. Hype this guy had. You lost to Carlos Prater. I mean, it was a DQ. They were looking, minus they're, they're, 400. he talked
0: about that DQ loss, like John Jones was like, that'll be like nothing on this guy's record. You just wait. Yeah, exactly. Right? You just wait. No, totally deserves to be on the list, even this high. Like, absolutely. He's yeah. one of those guys just off of pure uh, hype and was also one of those examples where I'll, I'll get to, you know, perhaps some, some more noted drug examples. This is maybe a more speculative one. Mm-hmm. But I agree yes. on that speculation, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, and yeah, yeah, it, the, the the record kind of speaks to that too, you know.
1: And if you had bet twenty dollars on every one of this guy's fights, I wonder how much you'd be up, because he was such a big underdog in a lot of these spots.
0: Yeah, that's insane. True. Wow, man, no, that's a good one. That's a really good one, Eric Silva. There's a, there's a couple of Brazilians that you can mention in the same way. They may come up, so I will kind of cut my talk short on that. All right. But my number three actually. Uh, I might get an impromptu. Just speak behind the curtain. I don't think I said, but we're actually recording in the Mandalay Bay studio. Yes, hello, everybody. And, uh, yep, yep. And uh, we got my man goes uh, in the background here. Who I, I keep, I keep lighting up his spot. He's just trying to get some work done. But I actually, I'm curious if he does have an opinion on this. He can actually shout and can be picked up by Mike if he does. But my number three is, uh, it goes back and, and goes, I'm sure you listened. We were doing the top five prospects in MMA that didn't quite pan out for whatever reason. And this one, you can argue maybe number one. If I was more of a hardcore at this time of the sport, like a, someone like Goes was, perhaps he would be. But Goes, would a David Terrell find his way on your list?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Why? Why is that? You can just you, you get picked up by speaking from where you're at. Because back then, you were finally starting to get get rid of Hoist Gracie and what he had accomplished, and so anybody that you heard coming in with any sort of Gracie training. Was big, and when he came in, he knocked out Matt Lindland, and we thought that's one of the best wrestlers out there. This is now somebody with a Gracie lineage that can strike, which we hadn't seen. So everybody wanted to see that kid succeed. Man, I went back to watch that fight, and it was insane. And and I guess just one one last thing: if you, if you knew you were Aaron, know to fill in the blank. But yeah, Matt Lindland was ranked the number one middleweight and should have already gotten a title shot. Now I I don't know the politics at the time, but I believe he he didn't get along with UFC brass. Uh, at the time, and I know that he did take a fight outside the UFC before that. And although that wasn't as uncommon back in those days, folks, this is like the 2005 2006 era, um, I'm, I'm sure it probably wasn't looked at very kindly, right? And, and, and was there anything there? Did, did that ring any bells for you, Ghost? Politics wise? Uh, I don't know what's off the record and what's not. Oh, okay, I got but you. He, I got uh, you. He had a little something to do with like a, a gambling promotion. And they weren't oh, allowed to do that. Yeah, I remember and that. And then he kind of just said, "Fuck it," and did it anyway. So I know that they didn't like that a lot. And so, yeah, speaking of gambling, so he was gambling kind of extra by taking that fight against <laughs> this guy. <laughs> and and like Ghost said, he came up. He came up through, and he, he actually was story like this guy would travel hours at a time just to go travel with uh, train with uh, guys like Caesar Gracie. And Caesar Gracie was talking about him like he, you know, like like, like they were talking about him as the prodigy. And this was before. the the BJ Penn uh, you know uh, well not before BJ Penn but uh uh, he was kind of out of the UFC at this point and yeah he had that Gracie name attached to him David Terrell did and he was just one of those guys who was just a phenom in and out of the gi like he uh he he just like submitted Ricardo Almeida with like a wicked leg lock before uh, before that Matt Lindland fight, and it was insane. Like he's a jiu-jitsu guy, and he was but he was a southpaw who could throw hands, and it was kind of sloppy. But he did like a, a Manny Pacquiao ass double two to Lindland where he throws the two, rolls under, comes back with the two, and up till that point, um, aside from one kind of a. a, a f- uh, stoppage. Uh, Linlin really didn't have that reputation as, for, as far as being dead and go went. And for whatever reason, like some guys look worse when they got knocked out. And Linlin just looked like he like, died every time someone knocked him I out. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. He or would always be completely out on his feet. Robbie. Yeah. Like oh, Robbie was back. He, Robbie sets his feet down after he does it. Like yeah. almost, almost like there was the Undertaker <laughs> position. But like it was crazy because the replay back then, it was one of the. Uh, they even note on production, like, like Goldberg says, thank you to production, as in this might be the first time they're doing the close in replays. And it's great because you just see Sean Shelby and Bruce Buffer, like their faces go dead because it was like... it didn't look like a late, that late of a stoppage, but it's one of those where the replay makes Herb look like he's super late. Yeah. Because there's about five to which six which happened shots. this week. Yeah. Like in this past weekend's yeah. card, Herb was really late at yep. uh, getting in there. And they, they they replay it, and you see Linlin like eyes shut for like four or five of the shots. You're like, oh, it's so brutal. And they're 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 interviewing David Terrell, who's like speechless, like he he can't even believe he got to this point, which kind of plays into his kind of storyline into why he crashed. And I'll reference an article for those who want to go deeper on that, but. um it was great because then after that as brutal as that was it's like you, even, the, even the commentators are like oh, shocked by what just happened slash the replay of it um then they do the loser interview and they go to Matt Lindland, and Matt was like what did you think about the, the, the fight uh I thought it was going good until the ref decided that he thought he should stop it.
1: And I'm just like,
0: Holy <laughs> yeah, he's, got, he's just removed that. from consciousness. Like, they, they don't know, right? But he I, just saw those Those, those loser like, interviews are the
1: worst, and, it, uh, and there's so many of them back in the day. Uh, I think you, I think you actually did a show on this, like touched yes. on this topic at yeah. some point in time, yeah. where it was like the losers being interviewed. And it wasn't afterwards. as tactful either. And and and, yeah.
0: and and Rogan, I love Rogan at death, but. He's not the most tactful at all times, and he especially wasn't tactful or sensitive to hear. He's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, Matt. Like it was, yeah. you, you, Even though Matt was like completely wrong and like his sense of reality, you felt so bad for him. <laughs> yeah, it was like when Overeem said that uh,
1: that debate tapped, and they showed the replay, and he's like, Nah, I don't see it, Alistair. I'm sorry. And he, uh, he had to. He's forced
0: to watch a replay of him being proven wrong on the spot. Right. <laughs> well, his next fight comes against Evan Tanner for the uh, vacant middleweight title, right? And it's crazy because Evan Tanner was actually in Matt Lindland's corner for that fight. Evan Tanner, I don't know what the politics were, but he Separated with Team Quest, and he was actually on his own, which I didn't realize at this time. I had to, I had to realize when I watched the fight, and uh, and apparently it was a really bad weight cut. And you actually see like, uh, in in, in reading this article, uh, it was up on should Come up in the Google search. But I think it's called The Man Who Could Have Been King. I don't have the author offhand. I think it might have just been Jeff Sherwood, but I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, and, and he, he talks about it. David Terrell is like, I didn't even want to take my hoodie off. I was insecure about my body. And you see John McCarthy at the check-in station trying to get, get him to take his hoodie off, and he won't. And the only person I saw John, Big John ever let allow do that was BJ for his fight. We uh, rematch with Matt Hughes. He was yeah. 63. BJ has the long sleeve. And BJ Pan. like, whatever, he'll take it mm-hmm. off. And I guess they gave uh, David Terrell that same courtesy. But you could tell Big John actually tried to get it off him. He takes it off and he actually looks fine but he was a big guy for middle but he was a, he was a full six foot he had long reach he was this guy was an athletic guy david Terrell, for people who don't know um, so he didn't look that bad at all, but he was kind of nervous, and he just throws some hard punches early in the fight, jumps and kind of sells out for a guillotine hard, gasses, ends up be crunched on bottom between the fence, can't get his jujitsu going, and Evan Tanner just goes to work and earns the stoppage with like 10 seconds left to go in the round. And that one's kind of funny, too, because they go back to the replay cam, and instead of like Sean Shelby and Bruce Buffer in the background, you get this perfect view, there's the cage pillar, and you, I don't know if it was a judge or a commission member, but you see this really old lady, like gray <laughs> hair, like yeah. just kind of poke her head out and you just see like a brutal like bloody you know, Dave Charles get <laughs> elbow in the face and you you see her do the smirking mmm no, the shaking nod had disapproval. Yeah. Mm, no, it, <laughs> it was needs so to be great. stopped, sir. That <laughs> was great. Yes. I was like, what is going on here? Uh, little tidbits of going back in time. But yeah, and he, he he uh he actually would come back and he would get end up getting a win. Um shoot, I forget who it was. Uh, he ended up getting Matt a win. Scott Smith, after that. Kansas, Scott Smith, yeah, yes. I was thinking of uh, Joaquin Phoenix and because mm-hmm. uh, he looks like Scott Smith looks like Joaquin Phoenix and uh Tony Martin had a kid. He definitely looks a lot like Tony Martin. That's a good, yeah. It was like, I don't know, Ben Folks kind of looks like Joaquin Phoenix. Too. Yeah. A lot of people look like Joaquin mm-hmm. Phoenix in the sport. But uh, he was scheduled to fight, uh, I think, Ed Herman uh, Ed Ed and, yeah. and like UFC 78 mm-hmm. and then just could never get back in. And people were still, even after that, were still waiting. This guy could return at any time. I mean, yeah. Even 2011 people were talking about this guy returned now. He could still fuck shit up. He never returned. He's a happy. He fell back in love with jiu jitsu, which was his original love. Fighting actually made him fall out of love with it. That's why he Mm -hmm. crashed and burned. Because, as talented as some guys are, Aaron, some guys aren't meant to be fighters. Yeah. And they're okay with that. And that's that's okay. That's fine. Mm -hmm. That's not a bad thing. But that's why he's on this list. All right, I think you're up again. Oh shit! All right. What number was that? That, that was, was number, number three. three. Was yeah. A okay. long-winded there. No worries. Um, number two. This one is, is drugs, man. And and Uh-oh. there's uh, speculative drugs. It's not so speculative? I mean, this was this guy fought. A, let's just say he fought a Brazilian top team in the Pride days. I don't, mm-hmm. know, if, I don't know if we're gonna finally have some crossover here, but uh, then other drugs like noted he would admit as well. And actually, he admitted to the other. I think the performance-enhancing ones as well, actually. And Paulo, this is Paulo Filio. Mm-hmm. Paulo Filio. Um, he was a phenom. Yeah, phenom. I mean, just beating guys. Uh, it, c- coming up in pride, Murillo Hua, granted Murillo Hua, who took some losses. But they were, like, at heavyweight and whatnot. Um, he beat guys like, uh, who was that guy? The uh, the Russian guy ended up being the hitman, uh, Suliev or Omar yeah, Suliev. yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, I'm but uh, he
1: also beat Minowa Man, one of my all-time. Yep, favorites. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Minowa
0: Min- 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 Man. If you know the Japanese scene, M- Masaki. Um, even even names like Joe Dorkson were were, 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 were decent wins uh, back then. Uh, Soji, uh, mean, yeah, you go through his record, uh, Kondo. I mean, he was thought to be the guy, and this was before Anderson Silva was having his success in resurgence. So, uh, they And were Chael like, talked about that recently about how yeah. like Filio was like at the number one middleweight in the world, and yeah. Chael had beaten him. That's right. He didn't have any losses up to yeah. that point. And uh, he kind of defeated himself, you know. That was the epic fight where, the you know, Chael does the Brazilian tap in the first one, gets the rematch because it's con- quote-unquote controversial. Uh, Filio doesn't make weight because he's already having his, his he's, he's way too far down the well in his drug addictions and blew up too heavy. And uh, came in at like 189. It's talking to himself and like, if you go back and watch that fight, it's crazy. Frank Mir in the commentary is freaking out. Like it's a crazy fight, like, yeah, like th- this guy really just did himself in. Went the Tyson route, started wearing weird cutoffs, blowing up in weight, getting face tattoos, like you name it. Like, uh, and the controversy didn't stop there. I mean, even up until like 2017 or 2016, like, there'd be controversial stuff going on with his fights or weigh-ins. Did he make your list at all? No, it wasn't
1: any? on my list, but um, it's a great pick. He, I think the reason why he wouldn't have made my list is because of the success that he did have early on, um, but. What you're saying makes a lot of sense. I mean, he fell off dramatically. Like he was supposed went from being like considered the best in the world to being just like a journeyman, pretty much. I mean, he could
0: have been. He was, you know, if the the promotional shakeup with the Pride buyout went a different way, he was pretty much like one fight away from fighting Dan Henderson for the title, right? The Pride yeah, title, yeah, right? Because yeah. he was that division. Yeah, he was in the grand. He was in the uh, the semifinals of the yeah. of the Pride middleweight. Grand Prix. I mean, you know, so from the Dan Hendersons, Anderson Silvas, and granted, he was, and he, he even kind of was content. He's like, you know, what? I'm gonna be come the champion of the blue cage first he said, "and then he'll. Well, I'll worry about that other bridge when I cross it. And we okay. never got to that man. So that was your number it. two. Yep.
1: We still don't have any crossovers. So no. let's see. Let's see, see what, your what we're gonna two get here. All right, my number two is uh, Josh Grisby. Josh, oh, nice yeah, one. All right, Josh Grisby. If people don't don't remember, like when he was in the WEC. Four straight first-round victories, yeah. and he was the guy. Like basically, sim- very similar situation um, to who, I had, who was the my, my number five, Brandon Thatch. Very similar yeah. situation to Brandon Thatch. Like reputable organization comes out, four straight first-round wins, and uh, he then fights Dustin Poirier. He's like a minus 300 favorite against Dustin Poirier. Yep. Um, let, let's just go through his four UFC fights. So he loses he four in a row to uh, to uh, in the UFC. Dustin Poirier was like minus opened at minus uh, sorry, he opened at minus three sixty five against Poirier, opens at minus three fifty against George Roop, the underdog kid, the underdog who kills yep. everybody. Yep. Opens at minus two two twenty against uh, Honey Han and then uh, minus two thirty against the guy that everybody thought he would beat it, Andy Ogle. Like Andy Ogle's, Andy Ogle was the guy that they always wanted to throw to. Yeah, he had, to like, people. He
0: had like a four-fight losing streak. Yeah, point. like yeah.
1: people, when, if you were messed up with Andy Ogle, you're supposed to win that fight. Yes, yeah. But it was in London. But regardless, so he he goes into the UFC, loses all four of his fights, gets cut, and then uh, he's in jail now. He uh, he had a bad domestic. Uh, incident with his wife, that's right? Yeah, um, involving illegal guns, and apparently he was accused of sticking the, the family dog on her. Jeez, like bad bad news. What is
0: he fucking Ramsey Bolton? Yeah, so, that so was he's a <laughs> Game of Thrones reference
1: there. So he's yeah, so he's in prison. He's been in prison. I think he's Bolton. still in prison. Yeah. He was given like a five year sentence like a year or two ago. So Jesus. you never know how the prison system work. Maybe he's out. I tried to see if I could find inmate information on him, but couldn't find anything. But uh, um, yeah. yeah, that Josh Grisby's on my list because he just was expected to be this killer, and in WEC like he was uh, he beat. Mark Hominick, beat Micah Miller, the uh, younger younger brother of uh, Cole Miller. He uh, beats Jens Pulver and beat Elsie Davis. Like These were big names in the WEC at the time, and uh, he ran through all of them. So uh, from there, when, once the uh, UFC basically uh, engulfed the WEC and took over the WEC, he was expected to be like a big player wow. in the division and become a champion and yeah. just fell off. Lost four in a row. Haven't heard <laughs> from him uh, since, other than uh, bad, uh, bad news stories. And I think he was
0: released after yeah. that Indiogoal Boss. I remember. I got. I, he was supposed to fight Aldo at one twenty-five. I went to that card. Yeah. Up, yeah. 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 That, that, didn't, yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah, um, and I mean, think that was for the championship,
1: right? Yeah. So I mean, that's that's how they thought of him.
0: Yeah. Exactly. No. That, that's all right and that, that reminds me I don't want to burn him is your number one another WC guy with a similar story from a later nope. weight class no nope. okay. that is a very similar very very similar arc to one Brian Bowles he's not my number one so I'm not yeah. burning it but very similar yeah arc for of, sure even with the maybe the domestic violence and the whole yeah he had a whole but, thing too yeah well as, yeah and, and he, Bowles was the champion he beat, fought, uh, he beat Miguel Torres Miguel Torres who yeah. may, may or may not be on some listener list mm-hmm. and we could talk about that when it comes up but yeah that's a great one that opens up two guys that I forgot about yeah great call there um I guess I'll, I'll jump over to my number one. He was on your short, he was on your honorable mentions? Neither guy was. Oh, neither he, guy. Okay. he wasn't, and then he reminded me of Brian Bowles, who I also forgot to put in. Mm-hmm. Both could very well be yeah. on this list. Um, i was going to get my number one out of the way because your number one is going to be better than mine because my number one, I've talked about this guy before. He showed up on my Mike Tyson archetype Did list. Did you do your number two already? Number two? Yeah, Yeah. Okay. I, yeah okay. I double, dipped, and, yeah, I double okay. dipped. It was Paul Ophelia. Gotcha. Um, this guy was on my uh, Mike Tyson archetype list, but I just felt it was so perfect for this one. Uh, and, and and you know again heavyweights heavyweights have a certain trajectory. You have no crossover, my friend. This is nice. phenomenal. Okay, this is awesome. Uh, a great heavyweight, and there were some hints to the fight before fight with Volchanchin, a tough guy who who will test anybody. Uh, there were kind of some hints on mentally that you know that the things weren't weren't there. And later, after a documentary called The Smashing Machine, we really got to see why the prospect that was Mark Kerr. That yeah, was supposed right. To be just right, This right, heavyweight right. destroyer. Yeah, this is that a great ruled, pick. He, you know, he was supposed to rule as long as he wanted to. mean, mm-hmm. um, you look at him. I mean, yeah, this, he was ahead of his uh, time. God. Yeah. yeah. He was built. He, you know, it, just, just as impressive as a Brock Lesnar, I dare say. Not as thickly or built. You know, Brock Lesnar looks like you just really want to overdo the lats and traps. But I mean, might as well. I mean, he was just just a guy that big, but well balanced with muscle and physique. He could wrestle, and just could strike. And even you know, bare knuckle, he would be palming guys and breaking them open with his own bare palms because he fought back in those days. Um, You know, he only had one UFC fight, but Mark Kerr was a motherfucker. And it all, you know, but watch the Smashing Machine documentary if you haven't. I know I've I've raved about it on this podcast before, so I'll, I'll keep it short. But the documentary culminates with him and Mark Coleman, who are training partners for the Pride 2000 Grand Prix. And it's just a great story because, you know, the build up the buildup around the whole documentary, which was true in production, like this the great American Destroyer guy was going to come in. He was the favorite to win the whole thing. Mark Coleman was coming out of what was his first retirement, I believe. And he wasn't, you know, he didn't have great odds to win the thing at all. And he ended up winning, he, he, he ends up being the one that wins, um, and Mark Kerr loses can't continue and it's just it's it and it just becomes an ugly scene goes on this crazy losing streak where again another part of the archetype here he's a guy where his 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 career continued on that point it went for a while, but it it's it's just a bunch of losses it's a bunch of red on Sherdock.
1: now uh, when you think um elite wrestlers in Bellator that were massive prospects that didn't pan out Aaron Pico is probably the first name that's going to come to mind but that's not who this is oh okay uh, I'm going with Bubba Jenkins oh Bubba shit Bubba Jenkins yeah. when he when he signed with Bellator he was supposed to be the next one he was an NCAA right. national champion yep uh was a 17-to-1 favorite in his first fight against a guy named uh, Mike, Mike Barreras or Mike Behejas, or I don't know, it could be a Hispanic name, and I'm, I'm pronouncing it, butchering it, uh, and I don't mean to. But, um, you know, runs through him, gets gets a TKO. Yeah. And, uh, again, you see a guy like that can get subs. His first four wins were three subs, and uh, well, one sub was due to strikes. So three subs and a TKO. So, I mean, this is a guy who's not just going to hold you down and, and, uh, and, and sit on you. Um, and people thought, like, Bubba Jenkins is going to be the guy. He's going to be the possibly the best featherweight in the world goes goes into his second fight minus fifteen hundred favorite against Larue Burley and and loses, gets knocked out by Larue Burley in the third round, and everybody's like, what happened? Like, who's Larue Burley? I mean, Larue Burley's still fighting, but like, I mean, he didn't end up taking off or anything like right. that. It's not like you had yeah, a guy. No, yeah. Like, if you think about King Mo, um, when he lost to um, Emmanuel Newton, like yes. Emmanuel Newton ended up being really good. Yeah. Like, he ended up win- yeah. winning he fights. Ended up and, his water. Yeah, yes. yeah. But uh, he loses to Larue Burley and um, people are like oh my god like, the, uh, who is this guy and how does, he, how does he end up losing and from there it doesn't get much better I mean he wins four in a row again they keep matching him up against guys that he's supposed to beat and then they put him up against uh, Georgie Karakanian. and he gets you know he goes in for a, for a sloppy takedown and gets subbed like bad gu- 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 guillotine choke chokes him out um, and then just from there like I mean again he starts winning again beats a guy named Joe Wilk I don't know who that is but then has a, a matchup with Jordan Parsons who's known for being a, a high level amateur wrestler as well wins a split this against him. uh, Beats Goichi Yamauchi, which is still his best win to date. um, And then faces Karakanian again and gets knocked out within a minute. So, um, gets released from Bellator after that. Then goes to ACB and loses to Ali Bagov. So, I mean... He, he's now the champion at Brave, so he does have something. I mean, he's, it was his first fight in Brave. Ends up winning the uh, the Brave Featherweight Championship. So he's still around. He's still doing his thing. He's still fighting for Brave. But uh, in terms of where he was supposed to be, you're talking about a guy who was a, a two-time All-American, National Division champion, National Division runner-up twice... Um, sorry, National division runner-up, Big Ten runner-up, um, like just, just the highest of high wrestling pedigrees and um, ends up not amounting to much in, in MMA. So uh, he ended up being my number one pick because, uh, you know, whenever you hear national champion that transitions over to, uh, to the UFC or Bellator or whatever, the, the hopes are always really high. And uh, I still think Pico is fighting really, really high-level guys right out the gate. I have a lot of trouble writing him off I think a lot of people might think of him immediately When we have this this conversation uh, And he was on my, my short list But uh, I ended up uh, not going with him uh, Who are some guys that were on your short list?
0: Um, well, real quick uh, the, Bubba Jenkins, I'll, I'll be honest That was a name that I, that I didn't expect to see on this list But to your point I would argue that Bellator, to kind of put in perspective as well, that where Bellator thought of him, you heard Sean Wheelock say the name Bubba Jenkins more when he wasn't fighting or even on the screen. Put mm-hmm. it that way, right? right. Am I yeah. wrong on that? Yeah. Those, like they would they always were segue him when you talk about Oh well, yeah. we've got a lot of people at Bellator, we got Bubba Jenkins yeah. oh, wrestler like Bubba Jenkins uh, Bubba Jen- and that's where he, I heard his name more than I saw him fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, kind of strengthens your point there, but um, and it seems like Bellator has a habit of
1: this. They have like these big
0: prospects, like uh, Azagar most recently. Like You have them on the prelims and they yep, lose. Yep. Uh, before we get to our, our cleanup, I, I, I want get, to get, give the listeners a first swing because they, they, they've been having to listen to us this so whole Mike time. So my two
1: guys weren't even on your honor, honorable mentions list. In, well, I mean, neither no, were yours, I don't think. No, I didn't, have, my, I didn't is, have
0: Mark Kerr on mine, which was a great pick. Which is which is crazy, yeah. The, I, I, I love it when that happens, by the yeah. way. Uh, so five that, for that, five. That's, that's, always, no, that's never a bad thing. It always seems like it's a surprise, but it's not a bad thing, believe me. Um, So I'm just going to go to Twitter and Facebook real quick. Matthew Wells, at Mr. Wells. Of course. Who, of course, he's been been a co-host of this podcast multiple times. CM Punk has to be on the list. I mean, who else in history is walking around with an 0-2 record? With both fights at the UFC. Wink. Uh, he, he doesn't even mention <laughs> the great wrestling pedigree he had. World champion for several years. That's right. That's right. Yeah. He held the title, baby. Yeah. X is on his and hands. not
1: even amateur wrestling. Professional wrestling. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. James Lawson at Jimmy Lawson. Uh, he's more more serious with his. I saw this in The Impopable Lot. Scoggins. Although I'm mm-hmm. holding out for a Robbie Lawler-esque renaissance. Uh, Tommy Almeida Eric Silva Todd Duffy and Eric Coke. a lot of names out there did any, any of those uh... I had Almeida on my uh, honorable mentions list me too I had and, him um, too cause and, he, and Scoggins
1: was, is a, a good pick Scoggins
0: heights. I mean a lot of people thought Scoggins was going to be the guy I, I mean with the amount of hype that I put in uh, on him and one of those as far as like reads where you felt so right and were so wrong yeah he's definitely up there might. he'd mind, always get you hopeful, hopeful again in, yeah but he just jumped into yeah. guillotines and it's not like he wouldn't do like what you said he was going to do yeah. he would show you how he was going to outclass the guy he just by the second round he's like you know what it's time to jump into the guillotine
1: another guy I thought of was Justin Lawrence who's similar to Justin Scoggins yeah. great karate background oh, yeah. hyped up kid. off tough yeah good looking
0: kid yeah. and just never,
1: never panned out
0: um, and uh, of course yeah, uh, yeah Tommy Almeida we talked about Eric Silva Eric Silva Spinning Shit MMA says Eric Silva is a the victim me think he liked the fresh features wow Mr. Spinning Shit MMA but he also adds uh, in a serious ad he goes uh, Spinning Shit MMA adds Sage uh, Miguel Torres in the UFC which kind of fits under that c- category yeah. we are talking about like that would be more like a gomi he already mm-hmm. had a title right. he already had his yeah. name and
1: Torres in the WC was a killer
0: yeah yeah so I get his intention there but it wouldn't make the list I think we both agree David Loazzo
1: yeah the crow but he, he got but a title shot had, yeah, and he, he was good been, He still won. And even in losses,
0: he like even in losses, he still made legendary fights like with Rich Franklin. So it Mm -hmm. wasn't like he crashed and burned. Yeah, he was fighting the top guy, right? Yeah, I mean, I know there's kind of stories now that I'm thinking about it, maybe, that maybe he could have been better and they were mental, but that's a lot of fighters, and like you said, he was kind of already established there. Um, as I go to Facebook, do uh, you want to say, sage, sage, he mentioned Sage yeah, Northcutt, sage, did, did that, that come on nah, No, Sage was
1: on my list, because I, I never had such high expectations of Sage, like, I, I could always kind of tell that he was being hyped up to be something, but I never saw enough from him to think, like, this guy's going to be a champion one day, you know, this guy's going to be an upper echelon guy, um, but yeah, I mean, the hype machine was certainly there, I just, I just never thought of him as being a great prospect.
0: So, so I'm going to Facebook here, and it's kind of funny. I didn't check it before, but you know how I asked Ghost to weigh in on uh, David Terrell. Yeah. Well, the first comment is actually from Ghost three hours ago that says David <laughs> Soul Assassin Terrell. So shout, <laughs> double shout to Ghost. He was yeah. already ahead of me there. Yeah, way ahead. Of the crew. He was way ahead. So when you asked him that, maybe he thought that you were like playing
1: possum and pretending you didn't see oh. the comment.
0: Oh, okay. Wow. I wasn't even playing. Wow. Ghost is such a pro, though, that even if I was, <laughs> he he just plays right in. You know. Oh man. That, that's, a good, that's a good. friend right there. You know, yeah, he's exactly. not gonna let up your no, spot. No, throw you that's under the, the bus for not checking your own Facebook page. Exactly. <laughs> uh, John John Rico, regular listener of the show. Roger Huerta. That's a good. I, one. I didn't see I, that was name
1: Roger, I was thinking of Roger Huerta as well, but um, yeah, that was good. I mean, his first first UFC fight on the cover of Sports Illustrated had a
0: lot of hype behind him, and then kind of fell off. Okay. Um, John. Hath- uh, he said Eric Eric Silva, we talked about him. John Hathaway. I didn't see him pop up.
1: Yeah, John Hathaway's I, good. I, 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 the, I mean, I, I John Hathaway had injuries. That's the problem. Is like yeah. he's actually still in the USADA testing pool. He's yeah. still on the UFC roster and being tested, and I was hoping for a comeback. But I think he had Crohn's disease, Crohn's like disease, something yeah, like that. I, yes, which it is was. Uh, don't you have Crohn's disease? Don't you have some sort of related? You have like an acid reflux thing, don't you? Something like that? No, uh,
0: I think I uh, may confuse me with uh, Neil Neil has an autoimmune disorder. Okay, uh, that's not Crohn's, but it's. Uh, yeah. It's a Bichette. So okay. I think it's. A, I think it's within the family. But hey, we're not doctors here. But yeah, he did. We actually MMA latest. We used to do something with a company that John Hathaway worked with. Up. Mm-hmm. It was like a weight cutting actually okay. thing for health. Uh, for health yeah. and, and. Hathaway so, uh, was a stud. Yeah. Yeah, and he was a stud, man. Yeah, I remember like. Of course, I was stoked for my boy, Mike Pyle, who I yeah. picked to beat him. And he he, he did, mm-hmm. but he, and that kind of sent him on his way. But before that, you know, he beat Diego Sanchez, almost knocked him out. Yeah. And while we go British, Paul Sass was a guy that I
1: loved watching. Yep. And he, he and uh, I think he
0: became like an Paul investment Sass. banker
1: or something and just was making more money doing that. So he just stopped fighting. He, he, he was, was still so shy. He stuff. had a
0: Liverpool accent. I went yeah. back to watch some of his fights yeah. recently. I love that guy. Oh, Paul Sass. Yeah. He, he, was so, he was so quiet. He was like uh, the Liverpool version of Garth from Wayne's World. Yeah. Like, Joe Rogan's like, oh, my God, you just hit another triangle. Oh, great, that triangle. was so sick. Yeah. What do you think? Paul Sass. well... I like to play. <laughs> 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 By the way, shout out to shout out to my man MMA Jim who did an awesome interview with Darren Till, and shout out to anybody who, thanks to um, thanks to, to, to my ass, now has that stuck in oh, their head. Oh, it's always up. stuck in my head. <laughs> in fact, whenever you say
1: off the top of your show, but on this show we cover uh, high level. I, I want you to say buh just because I love it so much. So when Molly McManus starts, you
0: get a flash. A oh yeah, yeah, of course. But uh, you know, I was so excited. And then
1: I'm noticing that oh. other people that aren't like Liverpudlians are do do it also. Like Scott, Scottish people do it, and like it, you'll notice yeah, it. Uh, like yeah. Paul, Craig Paul Craig was doing yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so I now it. I've totally oh. picked up on it. You've 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 uh,
0: you've brought some greatness to our world by bringing that to our into our awareness and consciousness. <laughs> Thank you. That reminded me. The, I was supposed to give a shout to the listeners who love the impressions. I just got a bunch of love after this last one, as far as these, and I like hearing that. That's my goal because I think I have to put a tweet out. Like I uh, I hope that my goal is to just in- infect you guys. Hopefully, the they're great. You know, like, if you ever want to, uh, like, do Aviv Gozali or something, some sort of Israeli accent, I won't be offended. Okay. I actually did a... Did, you, did I give you a little... shot I think uh, uh, you were talking about... Uh, on the TSM podcast about Rosenstruck and I was laughing because I was like almost oh, because Aaron's, Aaron's a Jew or whatever <laughs> or like, but like he has Rosen in it and like, and like, like yeah. he was excited about Canadians so like I didn't know who this guy was and I forgot about his first fight yeah. so in my head I'm like oh this is probably like a big like Canadian Jew heavyweight this yeah. I'm interested I, you don't hear about that That all and I look like, complete opposite yeah totally, all, <laughs> yeah, totally, <laughs> yeah, totally opposite, opposite. like so <laughs> I was doing my best um, Benicio Del Toro uh, impersonating when you know when he's in snatch when he's in, he's impersonating the rabbi for the robber was like Michael I told you how many times? And, anyways, but yeah, no, I appreciate. It. Don't get offended, because hey, I try to keep it fair. Make fun of everybody, mainly myself. That's why. I, yeah,
1: that's why I like it. And you always seem to have some sort of lineage that gives you the excuse, like, oh yeah, like I, my grandfather was a quarter Polish, so I can, I can make fun of that.
0: I went to, yeah, I want to try to do that. The other, and I, I it totally failed on me because we were talking about Dolce on the show, and uh, I was like, uh, he's like, uh, he's like, uh, he's like, uh, he's, like he's like Black Akiyama and I'm like, okay, I am not Korean or uh, black, and I'm like, I got to be careful with these ones. I got to be careful. I yeah, gotta be careful with these ones. But uh, uh and Todd Duffy, I didn't put Todd Duffy on my list because he actually just got a fight announcement. He's coming back. So yeah, let's see, let's see what he yeah, wants I'm to do. Coming to Vancouver. I'm also friends. I'm also friends with Todd. Uh, uh, almost, almost started this podcast actually up, up with him. Early iterations. Cool. There, there, wow. there, there People that not a little trivia. It was almost, it was, you know. But uh, yeah, the more you know. Yeah, yeah. But he, he he has some stuff to take care of. It looks like he's taking care of those things. It looks much more healthier. Well, the Jeff series, it's a so Jeff Hughes, good matchup. Yeah, it's a good matchup to come back to. Let's see what he's got. Um, Hugo D'Arte uh, from, Go, G- G- uh, uh, from goes as well. Goes also said PBZ. I have, I have her written here. Uh, she didn't make it, but I know that would be a name that came up. Um, by Christian Stein, by prospect, do we mean young or someone who didn't make the majors? Oh, sorry, Christian, I didn't get a chance to answer you there. Uh, Dante Morgan. Rudyard Moncayo. I don't know. Is that an inside joke? Uh, never really a guy that got kicked in the chest by Pat Smith. Okay. Holy shit. That's a deep dive well, Shout to Dante Morgan. He, <laughs> he also in kindergarten with George. Dante, oh, Mor- wow. look Dante look Morgan. Dante Morgan is all about the deep dives by the way. He's one of the only guys Aaron and I'll say this to you cuz you might actually uh, know know this band but uh he uh he, he knows the Sisters of Mercy. Uh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like in the, goth rock legends. Yes, yes. So like I, I think I played like Lucretia, my, my reflection or something for like a UFC Russia intro, and he was like, "Oh, dang, or something." So Dante Morgan will always have a special place in my heart right. for his love for for music. But that's it for the listeners. Anything that they didn't hit that you, that's on your list, Aaron? Before we get out of here, uh,
1: someone said Thomas Almeida. Uh, Phil Haws is on my list. Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah. he was like, "Oh, the next John Jones." I right. went to John Jones alma mater, trained with Jones. I oh, was at that, he that like, fight. Has the, the look the of, of an series. elite athlete. Yeah, yeah. He just hasn't been able to put it together. Nope, no. Um, people thought me on this one when I was asking people for advice, but Sarah McMahon. I mean, like. Women's MMA is in such a, was in such an embryonic phase where like you had to be like you could be if you could be a specialist like Rhonda for example, like her judo made her be able to beat anybody because nobody knew how to stuff the judo tape. She was a silver medalist in the Olympics and couldn't like and lost fights that she really should have won. Yeah.
0: When you think about like the, how early, like Scoggins esque you could argue maybe, yeah, maybe that's yeah. the female version.
1: Yeah. There. So like so, so Sarah McMahon like uh, you know she's she still she's still making a comeback soon, and she just had a, a kid and, and all that, and I, I respect Sarah Mac- McMahon but of course that's that's like I mean when and you that have that high of a level, that physicality, yeah, like you should be able that to just you. take because if you if, look at Tatiana Suarez, like she's just mm-hmm. able to handle
0: everybody at straw weight I will say, uh, you know, the Nunez loss didn't surprise me back then. Even I was kind of calling yeah, for that right. one, but um, but aside from me, Matt, you're right.
1: I called, um... What's it called? I called the exact method of finish in her last fight against, um... Why am I blanking on her name? Uh, Renault. Like, yes. I, said, Renault, I said, she's going to take Renault down and get triangled. And it's like exactly what happened. To yep. a yeah, that's um, crazy.
0: Uh,
1: I had Hatu Hayoki, as you mentioned. Glarostone okay. uh, Santos. For a while, yeah. people were talking about Glaristone Santos. Like, he was going to be the next big thing. And then okay. he just, like, just wow. never panned okay. out. Uh, Amir Sadala. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wins the Ultimate Fighter as a zero and zero professional. And uh, he, he ended up having a decent career. Like, it's hard to call him a, a bust because, like, he was very green.
0: I would say he's an overachiever because he's one of those yeah, he few might even who an overachiever. Where, like, because you look now, we're, not, we're we're never going to see a guy yeah. come 0-0 off that show. Right. For all the stunts that the UFC pulls for casting, yeah. casting, matchmaking. Yeah. I mean, uh, Mitrion was 0-0, but, but didn't win the show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mitrion and, and Sadala, yeah. those two guys, were, I give them so much respect. And mm-hmm. I was a fan of Sadala. Like, yeah. watch, that was the last tough season I actually watched as a fan, by mm-hmm. the way, Like that yeah. long ago. And I was a big Amir fan. And he actually has ties with my co-hosts as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And, uh, um, Aaron Pico
1: I have on the list, even though I, I still think Pico has okay. a good shot of bouncing back. If yeah, yeah, he can start putting early. it together. Um, Kimbo Jr., Okay. Yeah, baby's <laughs> lights. Um, and uh, Jimmy Hedas,
0: Okay. Who yeah, I Jimmy thought was going to be like a
1: really big, uh, big star, um, and then just stopped taking fights. It seemed like, and uh, but he, he can really do it all. I, I like that kid a lot. I hope he comes back, but uh, I don't know if he's going to. I've heard
0: rumors that he might be. I love his style back. too. He's the, he, he was like you know, a white East Coast guy, but he had that classic yeah, Japanese dri- style. Yeah. That, that judo, the action judo, mm-hmm. grappling, punches, yeah. transitions. Like mm-hmm. I love that style. I loved he, watching he, him. He, he, matchmaker's dream. But um, I thought he was just going to tear through everybody. You know who almost made my list? And I, did, I think I did see someone mention him. Brandon Vera. Yeah, Brandon Vera. One? You know, because he was um, calling for the double champ he was, yeah. was originally like, calling for the double champ he, back in yeah, the day if you talk about just
1: hype like he, that, that definitely fits the bill um, because back then like everybody thought he was going to just be the heavyweight champion
0: forever and I know he's technically the one champion yeah. right now but you look at the guy and has he, been for some time and, and, and hey I love Brandon Vera I, 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 I'm not Filipino but much respect having a Filipino that on the Eye Black Eyed Peas song Filipino Yeah, that's what's up yep yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, and so much respect but I mean he's beating guys like Paul Chang who sound like dudes I went to high school with mm-hmm. and probably were well, I probably did go to high school with Paul Chang I mean that's Kind of guys he's beating mm-hmm. out there yeah. I'll just leave it at that you can go look at the records yourself I didn't put him on there I thought he was worth a mention though Tom Dukenwall he's one of the yeah, more new guys list actually, so too. I don't know why he just because he, he, yeah. he retired he was the guy and, like yeah
1: double champion people thought he was gonna be the next big thing and even in the his looks. recent fight he looked
0: great yeah and the looks are what cost him he has a successful modeling career and has yeah. decided not to fight anymore well they saw his style he's not changing it anytime soon maybe they're looking at guys like Aaron Pico without wire. yeah like, you know what let's get let's get a little smarter. Um, I wrote... The thing I love about
1: Duke and Wa as a sidebar is his ability to finish combos with leg kicks. Like, he was just fantastic. Like, he'd get yeah. in and hit you with a, a oh, leg yeah. kick from in
0: close. I love that. But Elbows, his long yeah. arms. Um, I wrote Heather Hardy down, not because I thought she would make the top five list, but it, I think it's a, a great archetype for... The prospect failures of, of females where and they're, crossover looking, too. they're looking more t- too much crossover, too much quote unquote marketing, mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I wrote Houston Alexander with a question mark. No, because Houston he was There was, was a
1: huge overachiever. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he was, was like a Nebraska-based DJ who comes yes. in on short notice and beats Keith Jardine Knocked as like an eight-to-one eight-to-one fa- underdog. But
0: but people over but after that though people overcorrected the steering wheel like this guy is going to be the fucking one of the yeah. dudes that maybe not a champion but people were like oh and then dude.
1: then he circled around Kimbo for three rounds and lost a decision. Yeah, he was like the, he
0: was like people were treating him like Johnny. Walker put it yeah. that way, and at yeah, least Johnny yeah, Walker's young, is in his early twenties, yeah. so you can get excited about him. But this guy was old. Uh, Shane Carlin, but he got to a title, but I don't know. He had a hard drop off. He had a strong run, yeah. and a hard and a long drop, uh, drop off. Uh, it, this is a real controversial one. He became yeah, US Former for heavyweight champion, Rico, Rico yeah. Rico Rodriguez. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because that's, that's more of a, you know, a, a demon story kind of a thing. Yeah. And then uh, Marlon Sandro. Okay. Uh, people yeah. forget about him. You know, he but, kind of yeah. crossed over with a Hayoki thing, but yeah, had that's some, a whole nother Had some issues recently, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, too. It's just, God damn it. That's a more d- d- depressing part of our our sport. But yeah, that's now and all I got and Now from he's my coaching list. women. He's coaching
1: women over in China. He's like, do you know that? He's, he's in China Are you now. Serious? He's one of those trainers for the. Yeah, he trains. Um, I think Wu Yanan, He trains. Who's fighting sooner? Wow,
0: that's yeah. right. Yeah, he
1: moved to he like left Brazil and moved to China and is like training women in China. Marlon Sandro, yeah, and his wife. Um, like shortly before that happened, I like I met his wife because she was the you know my uh, my Aldo interview that I have that uh, where he he says uh, the, the gravedigger comment. His wife was the translator for uh, for that interview. Oh my God, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah I yeah, remember yeah. that. That was yeah, a great yeah. interview, by the way. Yeah, Yeah. 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 So uh, wow. I saw, like, Marlon Sandro and his wife were staying at the same hotel with me, like,
0: wow. weeks before
1: that incident happened. I felt terrible after reading That's that because uh, she was a very nice lady yeah. and still is a very nice lady, and I imagine. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely.
0: <laughs> yes. It's definitely a, not as fun of the sport to cover, but it does, it does come across our desks no matter uh, what our beats are, even if our beats are different. But, sir, you have a, a – uh, speaking of media beats, you have a place to beat and get out to. So I guess to, thank you for doing this. This was a fun episode, as usual. Definitely going to have you back, dude. But – where can people find for the rest of your opinions coverage pieces plug whatever you want where they can find it for this week and, and going forward
1: yeah just TSN MMA show for the podcast at Aaron Braunstetter on Twitter and uh, tsn.ca slash UFC for all of our coverage this week during international fight just going to be a, a plethora of stuff coming at you from red carpets to event coverage to one on ones I've got a lot of fun one on one planned for this week so um,
0: stay tuned awesome well this will be dropping the day of so, so that, that, that information is all relevant yeah be sure to follow Aaron on Twitter, of course, at the PYM Podcast on all platforms, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can find me at Dan Tom, and May. Uh, throw in some annoying underscores if you really want to track me down on Instagram for my occasional picks there. But yeah, you know the drill. Have fun. We'll get you be hitting you with a breakdown show within the next 24 hours here, so stay tuned, stay subscribed to the channel, and of course, uh, you know, always subscribe and rate and review friendly, the friends of the podcast, uh, uh, you know... Uh, uh, It doesn't matter if you listen through iTunes, it really helps. So have fun, have a good weekend, and always protect your neck.